The following audio is from the Grove Church. For more information about the church or to listen to previous sermons, visit our website at grove.church. What's up, everybody? Hope you're doing well. Welcome to the Grove Church today. And I want to take a moment and celebrate that last week we had 34 people raise their hands and give their lives to Christ. And I just think that's awesome. So I think we should celebrate that. Thank you, Lord, for that. I do want to say that if you were one of those that that said yes to faith in Christ last week, we have some intentional steps we want you to take. And if you didn't put it on the communication card last Sunday, if you would do that before we turn those in towards the end of service, that would be awesome because we just want to let you know that there's steps available. And on top of that, if you were one of those, um, we have baptism coming up, as you saw on the video a little bit ago, um, in a few weeks, and we would love to have you take that step and, and get water baptized. Baptism is an outward declaration of the inward transformation that God does through Christ. And so we encourage you to take that step. And if you have questions about it, we can help you navigate that as well. But that's coming up in mid-September. Well, we start a new series today, and the series is called Bad Advice. How many of you guys out there would admit you've received some bad advice before? How many of you would admit that you've given yourself some bad advice before? Yeah, all of us. So anyway, we're going to take on this series, and the goal of the series is really to help open all of our eyes to the stark reality that there's bad advice rampant, and the truth is it comes from all kinds of sources. When I was a young believer in Christ, I had given my life to Christ, and and I've mentioned before, I had all kinds of music that had, you know, four-letter words in the lyrics and that parental advisory thing on the front and stuff like that, and there came a point a couple of, of, of months into being a follower of Christ where I really realized this is not good. And so like I I gave up that music and I really inundated myself with the worship music and stuff. But I remember a friend of mine saying this, when you start giving up things um, uh, is when you're taking religion too far. And again, it sounds good. It sounds like, yeah, you don't want to be one of those kooks or religious nuts or, or whatever. But at the same time, at the core, it basically is this, your faith shouldn't actually change your behavior. That really was the message. That really was the advice. Like, you're going too far with this. You shouldn't go that far. And a lot of people, honestly, believe that kind of thinking. If if we're really really looking at some of the advice in the world that we live in about, quote-unquote, religion or, quote-unquote, Jesus, the the truth is a lot of people would say this, I believe in Jesus, which means, like, I'm, I'm going to heaven, and that's great, but Jesus doesn't care what I do with my life. I mean, obviously, I'm not gonna kill and rape and rob banks, but other than that, you know, we're good. You know, we're good. And that's kind of the way things play out. I mentioned a few moments ago, Every one of us in this room has received bad advice. We've all been the victims of bad advice. I think of, like, go back 10 years ago, 11 years ago, and the whole housing crash and stuff like that came out of a window of a lot of bad advice. It it was this whole, like, hey, zero down isn't a bad thing. You want to buy a house, you know, zero down. And there's a kind of this five-year arm thing where you can get a really good rate for the first five years. And if you can afford that payment, you're good because here's the thing. You know that in five years, you're going to get a raise. You're going to make more money. Things are going to be better. So if you can afford this payment, great, get into it. And then as it goes up, you'll be fine. And then, of course, we all know that as those five-year arms kind of wore out or three-year, whatever they were, the, the economy just absolutely crashed. And a big part of that was the housing uh, idea and, and really the bad advice, which reminds me of some of the bad advice that, that you and I even now follow that you may not even realize it. Bad advice is this. If you're looking for a car or maybe you're going to buy a home or make a large purchase that includes a loan, the filter for that decision is not, can my monthly budget afford the payment? And we think that all the time. Well, what's the payment? Well, hold on. You're going to buy a vehicle that maybe it's on the sticker, it's $60,000, but if I can go for 84 months, I can afford that payment. 
and you strapped yourself to a really nice vehicle for a really long time, and, and yet, is that really what you should do with those resources? And again, I'm not here to tell you what to do, but the filter for what you can afford is not necessarily, does that payment work in my current budget? And yet, we think that way sometimes. So, some other, here, here's some that, maybe they're a little humorous, but men follow their internal manly voice all the time. Like, hey, I've got this ongoing pain. And your wife says, well, maybe you should go to the doctor. And you go, I don't do doctors. Okay. And then you're like, yeah, the rash. And yeah, I know it's swelling and it's got something oozing out of it. But you know, let me just rub some dirt on it. And your wife's like, go to the doctor. And you follow your manly advice and you simply go, I'm sure it's going to be fine. You get a gash and there's organs and there's a bone sticking out. And your wife's like, go to the doctor. And you're like, honey, where's the duct tape? Bad advice. And it comes from your own head as much as it comes from the culture or people around you. Here, here's, some, here's some obvious bad advice. One of the things I did was in, in studying for this, I, I, I was looking up historically bad advice. And my wife reminded me that, you know, a hundred years ago, bleeding people was a normal thing. Like, let's get the ugly blood out and we'll put some, you know, get some new blood in eventually and you'll be fine. And so like, let's get leeches and let's do that. And that was like the thing to do from doctors back in the day. Well, another one that comes up that most of us are aware of, but it's still pretty surprising, are some of the cigarette campaign ads from 50, 60, 70 years ago, where you're like, are you kidding me? And I found one of those that I thought you would appreciate. So check this out. Viceroy's filter the smoke. As your dentist, I would recommend Viceroy's. If you have a dentist that recommends Viceroy's, you might want to find a new dentist. If you're a dentist that recommends Viceroy's, please stop, Okay. Don't, don't do that. So there's some advice that's obviously bad advice. There's other advice that's a little more subtle, and I kind of pick on, you know, fashion of the 70s. So here's an example of obvious advice that, you know, so anyway, but, you know, if, if, that, if you wore that in the 70s, God bless you, God forgive you. If you're wearing that today, come to the altar. We're going to pray for you. We're going to remove your Afghan is what we're going to do. And we're, anyway, so... But there, there's all kinds of advice out there. Some of it's obviously bad advice. And there's a lot of advice, honestly, that's pretty subtle. Advice that we kind of take and, and think it's okay. Here, here's some other obvious ones. I was again, doing the homework and an article title on the cover of a magazine literally said this, nag him and he will be by your side longer. So ladies, there's some advice for you and do with, do with it what you will. Another one, I actually, this was in an article that I read. If you're hosting a dinner party and you're strapped for cash, make alternative after dinner mints. Freeze a tube of toothpaste, cut it open, and cut it into slices to produce your very own treats. If you've done that, stop it. Stop. Now, here's some advice that some of us in the room are going to go, that is not bad advice, even though it sounds like bad advice. And here it is. Every pizza is personal pizza if you try hard and believe in yourself. Yeah. Come on! Yes, I love that one. Uh, I, uh, the, the Tonight Show, Jimmy Fallon, um, on The Tonight Show, he does something called hashtags, and every week they do a hashtag, and it's a different topic, and people send in their tweets. And, and he actually, I just found this, he actually had one that was called hashtag bad advice, and so people tweeted in hundreds and hundreds and even thousands of, of topics. And, and I just picked out a few that I thought, man, these, these take the cake. So here, here's a few. Um, my dad told me the stopped escalator was voice activated. I spent 10 minutes saying, go up, until he rescued me. And now, honestly, my thought there is that that's funny, but 10 minutes, like, come on. I'd be like 30 seconds, like, something's going on. 10 minutes, go up. 
<clears throat> go up. Go for 10 minutes? You're the idiot. Anyway, so okay. Here's another one. My first time eating sushi, my friend told me to spread that green stuff all over because it'll taste better. And some of you that eat sushi, you're like, yeah. Anyway, so um, here's another one. As a kid, after spinning around, I got really dizzy. My brother told me to spin in the other direction to cancel it out. And it, and it ended with this, hashtag I puked. So N- another one, um, gave a stranger, and by the way, this is one that maybe you've done. I know I did this one. So when I read this, I'm like, oh, that was me. Anyway, um, gave a stranger super specific instructions on how to get somewhere. And after they left, I realized I was thinking of the wrong place. <laughs> I've totally done that. Like, oh, no, they're going to hate. Oh, no. Anyway. And then the, the last one, and again, for me, this one was ridiculous funny, but um, it's this. My dad told me on the first day of school to go into the lunchroom and punch the biggest kid because then nobody will mess with you. Listen, and here's the end of it. I'm a teacher. <laughs> so school's coming up. If that's you, bad advice. Okay, please don't do that. Anyway, my, my point in, in kind of the, the whole beginning here is we get bad advice from dumb places all the time, but we also get bad advice from smart places. And the truth is, even in church world, it's easy to fall prey to bad advice. When you look at Matthew chapter four, and it talks about the temptation of Jesus and this encounter with Satan and this whole thing, the, 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 the reality even in there is that Satan quotes scripture. And I say that not, not to make us go, yeah, that's why I don't really do the Bible thing. I say that because I happen to believe big time that, that we can become really good at cherry picking verses and at, at grabbing, oh, that's a good one. I like that one a lot. But then we ignore the context. We ignore the bigger picture. We ignore the historicity of the text and we miss what it's really saying. And so it's easy to come up with all kinds of weird belief systems based on cherry picking certain things out of the Bible rather than realizing as we say almost weekly, there is great value in all of us reading the Bible together and or reading the Bible every year because you need to know what it says. You need to understand the context. You need to always look at the bigger picture and not just this verse and that verse and what you like about that portion of it because it would be real easy to become deceived. Now, my, my comment going back to the Bible is this. I appreciate that the Bible gives us a lot of, 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 of history and it includes stories of bad advice on display. In this series, in the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some of the bad advice. And again, you see it all from Old Testament into the New Testament. You see it from wise leaders and you see it from buffoons all over in scripture. But the truth is there's bad advice everywhere. And what I want to do today is kind of give you an overview of of what the next few weeks we're going to navigate, but also what's at the core as we get in this series, what's at the core of bad advice, and also what it means to find the right advice to be who God intends us to be. What I want to do is I want to start at the beginning today, and and that means Genesis chapter 3. If you got a Bible, go ahead and turn there. If you don't, it'll be on the screen here, and there are Bibles there in front of you. Of course, if you got a smartphone, uh, you probably have a Bible app maybe on there. You can look it up. Genesis chapter 3, and it starts here in verse 1. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will surely die. 
You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit, was, uh, fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And he hid from the Lord among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. The Lord said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. The Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. God, today... We pray for your spirit to work in all of us, God. I pray that as we navigate this conversation, my prayer for all of us, our eyes are opened, God, at how we can so easily fall prey to bad advice in Jesus' name, amen. So I wanna start here, and I believe this is a huge conversation for a couple of reasons. First of all, in Christian theology, if you're relatively new to faith in Christ, you're just kind of navigating this. In Christian theology, this is the account that we would say is the fall of man. This is where original sin comes in and sin enters the picture that becomes the plague of mankind. And so this is that story, and it starts in verse 1 with a description of a serpent. Now, we don't understand the logistics of, like, how is a serpent talking? We know in Scripture there are certain supernatural miracles that take place, and certain things happen that you go, that shouldn't happen that way. So while we don't know every nuance, God obviously allows some sort of miracle to happen where there's a serpent that can have a conversation with an individual. So here we are, and that's where we land. But what I want you to know is the description of serpent here is actually the devil. This is the enemy who comes into this picture of the garden and Adam and Eve. And all of a sudden um, it says, and I want you to notice this, the first description that you and I have of the devil, of the enemy is crafty. Now that word is not meant as a compliment. That word is meant for you and I to understand that crafty is clever or scheming. In the amplified version of the Bible, it, it adds this in brackets, skilled in deceit. And that's what we find that this is the problem at the core of the problem of bad advice is that deception is taking place, whether it comes from our own brains, whether it comes from the culture we live in, whether it comes from a movie we watched or an individual who's well-meaning or a complete idiot. The truth is when we follow bad advice, there's some deception that's happening. And I want us to start with being aware of that simple fact. Now, the deception that takes place is the act of misleading by false statement. And the statement comes up in, in verse one. He said to the woman, did God really say? And I want to start there because that's where the beginning of the tension, that's where the beginning of the left turn that should never take place actually takes place. Did God really say? And what happens is we take the bait by, by focusing on or challenging ourselves by not that we shouldn't critically look at the scriptures or read and study the scriptures, we should. And we're called to do that if you're a follower of Christ. You ought to be a reader and a studier of Scripture, period. It's a simple fact. 
But the problem here is that it's not just looking at the scriptures, it's, it's being willing to say, you know, I don't know that God really means that when God says, I want you to avoid, I want you to stay away from, I don't want you to do this. And that's the trick the enemy begins with. Did God really say? It's, it's this picture of, of challenging who God is. And whether it's ignorance, because we don't really know, maybe we're new to faith in Christ, or or we've been a Christian for a long time, but we haven't really got into the need to study, even though you should. So so whatever this is, there's ignorance, or there's a refusal to believe what God really says. So it's either ignorance, or it's ignoring what God says. Now, verse 2 says this, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will surely die. So well, the part of the problem is that, that the woman is willing to entertain a deceptive conversation. And part of our problem today is that we don't give the enemy the kind of credit that we should give him in his art to deceive us. And so all of a sudden, we start entertaining things that we should never entertain. We start considering certain paths that God has said, don't go that direction, and we fall prey to, to just opening the door by entertaining something we shouldn't be entertaining. And the woman, by the way, corrects what the serpent says, but I believe that was a ploy because the enemy did not give what was the actual fact that came from Genesis 2. The enemy twists it by saying, you know, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? That wasn't true at all. But what it was, was a hook for her to continue the dialogue and fall prey to the deception. So the woman says, we may eat fruit, just not from the tree in the middle of the garden. And the enemy comes back in verse 4 and says, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman. Now, what I love is that for me, and and hopefully for you, your eyes can be opened when you look at this, because what the enemy can do in our lives is take our focus off of all of the different ways that God has blessed us, all of the different ways that you and I can be grateful, all of the different things that we should be thankful for, and instead focus on the one thing or the two things or the few things that we're somehow not allowed to have because God doesn't want us to. And so we, we, we lose our focus. We start looking at what we don't have. And it's really easy in the world that you live in and the world that I live in to focus on the negative, to focus on what we don't have. Anybody with me on that? We look at all this stuff and go, God, thank you. I get to be born in the U.S. because that really is a blessing. God, thank you that I get to have a roof over my head. God, thank you that for the most part, I've never had to figure out where I'm going to eat a meal. God, thank you for an incredible wife. God, thank and just on and on and on all of the ways We're blessed. And yet the enemy can get you and I looking at the one or two ways that we don't feel blessed. And when he does that, once again, he's got us hooked and he's starting to reel things in. So he gets our focus off of God's blessings and instead gets us to focus on the things that we don't have. And the bad advice there is focus on whatever you don't have. Now, the second thing that happens is we take the bait through a truckload of what becomes really bad advice. Satan says, did God really say? Challenging, is this really sin? 
Is this really wrong? Is this really bad? Is this really negative? Is this really what God says it is? And for you and I, we can reason out things all day long. I don't know about you, but when I look at the fall of man, it's like, hey, don't eat fruit. Now, I know there's more to it than that, but it would be real easy for us to go like, I've been begging my children to eat way more fruits and vegetables. What's wrong with this? And the whole idea is that, that that tension of you and I questioning this probably isn't really sin. I mean, this isn't really a bad thing. This really isn't what, what, what God maybe paints it out to be. Or we play the card of, well, it may be bad for someone else, but for me, I think I can handle it. For me, it's not that bad. For me, I can go down that path and it's not going to result in the same thing as those people. They couldn't handle whatever it might be. It's not really sin. But the second thing is this, it might be the admission that "Mm, this thing isn't good, but it's not that dangerous. And that's the next step. Did God really say is the first step. The second step is this. She says, we may not eat fruit from this tree and look at what the enemy does. You will not certainly die. The consequences won't be that bad. If you make that decision, if you go down that path, if you follow that bad advice, just enjoy it. Who cares where it leads? It's not going to be that bad. And that's the next step. But finally, and I want you to see this, he takes it a whole nother step further, realizing he can. For God knows, this is the enemy talking, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. And you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. In in, in the coming weeks, we're going to parallel what's going on here with Matthew 4. And you're going to see Jesus' temptation. And there's some real parallels here where Jesus had victory and Adam and Eve don't. But but what what I want you to notice is that that the ploy here is this idea that, that what you're about to experience is going to open your eyes. What you're about to experience is something God's trying to keep from you. And it becomes a trust issue. Do we trust that that when the Lord says, hey, stay away from that situation, don't go down that road, don't make that decision, don't follow that advice. When God says, are we willing to trust that, okay, I may not understand all that leads to, but because God said so, I'm going to stay back from it. Or do we do what the enemy does in, in us? God's trying to keep us from something fun. God's trying to keep us from something amazing. God's trying to withhold from me something that I believe I'm in entitled to experience. I want your eyes to be open, you guys. I want us all to see this for what it is because it's a big deal. So we we take the bait and there's a truckload of bad advice. Matthew Henry, a theologian from a long time back said this, it is the subtlety of Satan to blemish the reputation of the Bible of the Lord as uncertain or as unreasonable. So as to draw people to sin, it is therefore our wisdom to keep a firm belief of and a high respect for the command of God. But what happens is things don't go so well. So the enemy says, God knows that that when you eat, your eyes are going to be open. You're going to be like God. You're going to know the difference between good and evil on a whole nother level. And she's enticed. And it says this, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, and pleasing to the eye, but also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it as well. And that's the moment. And you go, that's it? Over like a piece of fruit? What was it, an apple? I mean, what was it? One comedian says, an apple? Like dip it in caramel and get back to me, you know? But, But we look at this, it's an apple. This is the fall of man. 
This moment right over that, it couldn't have been some ginormous thing where we all go, clearly a terrible thing. And this is it. This is the fall of man. This is where sin enters the picture and, and becomes an issue for the rest of us for, for history. Where we look at even in communion, being reminded of what Jesus did to deal with this moment right here that would plague mankind. The problem here, and, and when you look at it, I'm not going to get into every nuance of it, but it says that she saw the fruit was good for food. Simple. Pleasing to the eye. Whatever color, whatever sheen, whatever it had going on, she's like, I, I want that. And then finally, desirable for gaining wisdom. And what she does as she falls prey to this deception, this terrible, bad advice, is, is sin enters the picture But the danger is this. And again, going back to Matthew Henry, he says this, when there is thought to be no more harm in forbidden fruit than in other fruit, Satan soon carries the day. When you and I begin to entertain something that's a pathway to to destruction, something bad, but what we do is we justify it, assuming this is not a lot different than the things God has for me over here. This isn't a lot different than what God wants to do down that path, so this can't be that bad. Matthew Henry says, Satan soon has the day. Eve sees the fruit on the same plane as the rest of the fruit around her, and it's not. And we follow that same pattern in the culture that we live in, in the world that we live in, where sin is no longer sin and everything becomes relative. We do what we want to do. And even the terrible advice that goes like this, if it feels good, do it. And God wants me to be happy. Bad advice can have minor consequences. And there's no doubt that you go out with your, your friends out to a lake and there's a cliff and everybody jump and let's jump and you've never done it. And they don't give you an advice. So you, you jump and your arms are out and you smack them and you get bruises and you're sore for a week. Okay, that's minor, not a huge deal. But the problem is there's so much bad advice out there that to me has major consequences. And, and, and we ignore what could happen. And I think about the fact that there's individuals, I'm an adult and I'm lonely and, and I'm bored and I, I don't have a significant other, but oh, I do have that one phone number to that one person. I know their track record isn't good and they're, they're not looking for a real commitment, but even if it was just a one night thing, I would feel good even just for tonight. Not realizing that's a pathway. Realizing it leads to something more. And it's a pattern that becomes destruction that you look back and go, why did I do that? Why did I make that? Why did I go down that road? Or maybe you go out and you're having fun and you, you have some drinks, but you didn't think of an Uber or a Lyft or a cab or a friend or a designated driver. And so you're out there and you're having fun, you're drinking. You go, I'm not buzzed. I can drive. I'm fine. I can drive home. And all of a sudden you're making the phone call to a family member saying, hey, could you come get me? And I'm here and I've got charges and I can't drive. And again, you think you can handle that. You follow your own bad advice. Over and over, the examples never end to the fact that there are consequences to bad advice that we need to have our eyes opened up to. For Adam and Eve, it says they ate and their eyes were opened and it wasn't in a good way. It was the idea they knew something and all of a sudden they felt the shame of what they had done wrong. When it talks about their nakedness, there's more to it. But the general idea falls on you and I as well, that when you and I do something that we know is bad advice or we make a decision and realize later that was a terrible, that was bad advice, it's easy for you and I to feel like Adam and Eve where we live in shame. I can't go to church. I'm not good enough. Oh, if they only knew who I was. If they only knew what I did. If they only knew what happened. And that Adam and Eve are hiding and God shows up. Where are you? 
And just like Adam and Eve, you and I can do the same thing. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. Lord, just don't even talk to me. And we hide. And that's what they do. And it's, it's, it's easy to see the same pattern. And the fact is they were deceived. They bought into terrible advice. But remember, they didn't see it that way. I think back to as we jump into the coming weeks and what's at the core of bad advice. Because sometimes bad advice doesn't seem like bad advice. Think about Jesus and Peter. Jesus says to the disciples, hey, I'm going to be you know, persecuted. I'm going to be beaten. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. And Peter stands up and says, hey, Lord, as long as I'm here, I'm not letting that happen. I'm a friend. I would never let you be harmed like that. And for all of us, it'd be easy to go, yeah, if I'm a friend and I see my friend in danger, I'm not letting you go there. And what's Jesus' response to Peter? Peter, I, I know you mean well. Peter, thanks for the, I, you're such an encourager. Love you, Peter. What is his response? Get behind me, Satan. Like he's not beating around the bush. Like, do not allow what seems right to take me down a wrong path. And that's so confusing until in the coming weeks we talk about what's really going on. Think about personal passion. It's amazing how for you and me, we see prominent people, famous, powerful, whatever people, and all of a sudden there's some scandal. And they were doing this behavior over here and it was hidden until all of a sudden it wasn't. And we're like, what made them ever think they were gonna get away with it? And we're gonna talk about that in the coming weeks when we talk about personal passion and how bad advice is, is, is again, a truckload when it comes to personal, where Samson and Delilah is the story we're gonna go over. And in the story of Samson and Delilah, if you know it at all, you read this and go, how did he not know after like night one and then night two and night three? I mean, what, what a bonehead. And yet, when we talk about the story of Samson and Delilah, you're going to realize, wow, there's definitely some personal passions in me that could deceive me to be just as stupid. Because we're not exempt from these conversations just because we read a story about somebody else and go, oh, wow, we can all fall prey to this stuff. And then finally, we're going to talk about power and how we deal with, with any power we're given, whether it's the ability to be a parent and we have kids that we have power over or we're a boss or, or we have influence through, through committees or groups we're a part of or whatever. We're going to talk about what it means for you and I to see power correctly because once again, it can be abused and misused and we see it throughout scripture. But for today, and I'm going to be done, just for today, can we all admit in here that we've been the victim of bad advice? Can we just admit that? We've all been the victim of bad, whether it's our own thinking and logic and reason, or it's something in culture, a movie we saw we were inspired by, but it was dumb. Or, or, or it's the fact that, that we have people that have told us, or even as we read the Bible, but we don't understand the whole of the context, we follow bad advice. Can we admit that? But also, can we invite our Heavenly Father to open our eyes and transform our hearts because at the core, and as we get to it here in this series, we're gonna talk more about it. At the core, that's what we need. Father, today, it's just an intro, God. It's just kind of opening the doors here, but Father, I pray our eyes would be open, God, to what can happen through bad advice. And there's some that is crazy obvious, but there's some that is so subtle and some that, that rings true or seems true, but, but comes, it turns out it's not. So God, I pray whether it's, it's something we, we sketch on, a, on a, something to put on our wall or something we post on Pinterest or Instagram or, or God, even something we can read in the Bible where if we don't understand, it's easy for it to become twisted. And that's what Satan tries to do with Jesus. God, open our eyes. 
Father, open all of our eyes. God, continue to transform our hearts on this journey, Lord, that we're all on. And my prayer is that our confession would be, we want to be like Christ. We want to do what's right. We want to live the right way, not because it's easy, because it isn't, but because it's worth it. And Father, I pray for some that today sit here, and when we talk about bad advice, it's not 10 years in the rearview mirror. It's current. It's like, you know, it's last night. It's this weekend. It's this last week. It's something that's been going on and a path that's been followed for long enough. But you know what? God, I pray that not only would there be that conviction from your spirit, but that ability for every single person that needs it right now, just to simply find your grace. God, forgive us. Lord, forgive us for following our own bad advice, the advice of others, for falling prey, God, to deception like the enemy wants to do in us. Father, open our eyes, transform our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Podcast. If you want to keep up to date with us, like us on Facebook or sign up for our e-newsletter at grove.church.